If you listen and do the show, I guarantee you're gonna have a good time, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. Listening here on the podcast, maybe listening on the road, or maybe while you're going in the grocery store. Mm. Or not. Uh, who was that? That was, was that Eddie Vedder or that was, was that Bob Dylan? That was Eddie Vedder and Bob Dylan. Made a baby. And mm-hmm. they had a good time. Oh, really? They're going to end it there? It's They had a good time. Yeah. What happened? I don't know. I guess some people weren't, weren't li- liking it. I'm lost. But every song's like... What? It's like gold. Every song's like what? It's like gold teeth, gray goose sitting in the back. Yeah, okay. Drunk things, something we don't care. We got diamonds in our teeth. Cl- we got diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> we got. Mm hmm. Keep going. And we'll never be. <laughs> and we'll never be royals. Royals. Ye- Yabba dabba dabba do. That's right. <laughs> that's a song. She did take inspiration from the Flintstones. I'm really that's that's that's, that's on songfacts.songfacts.net. Songfacts dot 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 biz. Oh no. <laughs> they kind of love to dip but up. Well, oh. Yeah, dip but up but up. That kind of loves just not for us. Let me Lux. see that ruler. What? She wants to see that ruler. Like a desk ruler? Yeah, like the desk ruler. Mm. And then is and then the next line is a subversive line. I don't think anyone's caught on to it, where she reveals that she's queen of the bee people. Oh, I thought she was Beyonce. No. That that Beyonce is Beyonce. She is She is Queen Bee. Queen of the Bee People. Beyonce's Queen of the Bee People? And she'll ruler ruler ruler, because she's the Queen of the Bee People and she has a lot of rulers. Oh. I think that's Illuminati. What, Illuminati six 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 eight oh eight seven nine seven seven two one ten oh five. Scruff McGruff. Chicago, Illinois, six oh six five two. Well can't do taxes, but you know that. <laughs> On with the b- thing. Show. The show. episode of Catching Up with Kevin and Seabass, episode 9. I'm Kevin. I'm also not Kevin, but Sebastian. Seabass. A-K. Your name is Seabass. A-K-A, Seabass. Whoa, don't yell at me, okay? Here we go. This is my show. With the show, where we talk about the week that was. And stuff. 
Oh, I didn't know we were doing original music. Original music by DJ Sebastian. Little dashes in between. Yeah, that's pretty annoying for people to write out and type, you know? Yeah, that's why I hope no one ever has to. Great. Well, today we have a cornucopia of topics. We have a handful. We have three topics. We have three topics this <laughs> yes, week. But that's okay. Because we they're have a lot to talk about good each ones. Each of them. Even though I don't know much about one of them, which you will soon find out. Here we go. Here we go. So the first thing we want to discuss is the big news in the entertainment world. Last week, oh we God. informed the people. <laughs> we didn't inform anybody. We just told people. Yep. We said, we repeated the news that David Letterman was retiring. The secondhand news. <laughs> the secondhand news yeah. that David Letterman was retiring. We proceeded to gab about who we thought might be the replacements for him mm -hmm. and said, oh, it's going to be a big battle to see who gets that spot. Yes. And it wasn't That's because yeah. just a few days ago, Stephen Colbert was announced to be the uh, follow-up mm. to the seat in the late so chair. Right, replacing David Letterman. Mm-hmm. For selfish reasons, I was a little disappointed that my prediction of Jerry Seinfeld did not, in fact, come true. Mm-hmm. Because I think it would have been, and not an, an inspired choice, but a choice that would make sense for CBS. Mm -hmm. In terms of the old and the new-ish mm -hmm. demographic that they're going for. Let me tell you but, why this works, though. Great. I'll tell you why it won't. Okay. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> Um, CBS is definitely playing the long game here, because they know, I think they're aware of the fact that they have to get Late Night back. Mm hmm And they're not gonna do it by catering to their current demographic. They're playing a long game here. Yeah. Yeah. S Stephen Colbert is huge in terms of, I guess, our generation. Yeah. He might even be a bigger deal than Jon Stewart. Although The Daily Show has won multiple Emmys multiple times, I think Colbert is a big enough personality that the idea of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert is something that a lot of people would tune into. Somebody that I was talking to the other day said that they are willing to tune in to late night television to watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. The Colbert Report is night, late night television. Right. But I'm saying like a traditional network. late night late night network talk show. He's going to bring in people, and he's not just going to bring in old people. He's going to bring in lifelong viewers. He's going to bring in people that are going to still be watching Colbert 10, 15, maybe even 20 years down the road. And as a direct competitor to Jimmy Fallon, I mean, they, I think they made a good choice here. Mm -hmm. That being said, there are some reasons why this choice is a bit problematic. Yes, I agree on that. <laughs> I just, for some reason, I just am having trouble with this concept of him taking over in a traditional-ish. I mean, I don't know how traditional it's going to be, but it is CBS. It's a network late-night show that's trying to reach the broadest audience possible and Colbert on his show is playing a character he's playing a Republican you know blowhard 
and they've already said that he's not even going to have the character during the show. And I just don't know how much of his personality is going to carry the show because it's untested, I think, for the most part. It's untested for him to not be in character. Well, I mean, the thing about it is that, um, a lot of, so many comedians have vouched for him. I mean, he was doing stand-up long before he was doing the Colbert Report, and the thing about it is that, like, I feel like, look, Stephen Colbert, the character, is one of the best comedy characters we've gotten for, in, like, the past decade. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't gonna do that character forever, and that's not the only thing he can do. I know. So, I mean, I think this allows for... I, it is CBS, yes. Yeah. But I do think that this is potentially the start of them maybe trying to revamp a little bit and maybe mm -hmm. get a little bit younger. I don't think they're just going to make him a Letterman 2.0. I think they're going to make it Colbert's show. Yeah. They will cater to his personality they'll, and everything. They'll cater but... to his personality, and maybe they'll cater to his audience. And if they do that, then maybe it won't be that bad. I mean, like, it's... Th this isn't uh, a disaster in the same sense... Well, I, I don't even want to go as far as to say disaster, because it wasn't a disaster. But it's not, like, a quote-unquote disaster in the same sense that Greta Gerwig signing on to do How I Met Your Dad is a disaster. What does that have to do with anything? You take these people that are known for being, like... Broad, less broad comedy, mm -hmm. less restrictive, a lot more indie, a lot more, I guess, liberal maybe. And you put them on CBS, which is a much, which is a much more confined, much conservative. more conservative. Yeah, mm -hmm. old and, skewing. Yeah, what, like there's this. I mean, there's a sense that when you put something on CBS, you're automatically watering it down. Yeah. And I'm just saying, maybe we should check it out, and maybe we should give it a chance before saying. A, Stephen Colbert going to the Late Show is a waste of Stephen Colbert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously we should give it that. Yeah. But I'm just not really seeing why he was the first choice. Um, I'm just not. I don't, I mean, I understand he was a very broad, comedic, like, interesting personality on his show. Yeah. But I don't see why they think that would translate to a, a you know, late show style talk show. Well, for one thing, I mean, segments of uh, the Colbert Report are almost late night talk shows. And not only that, but I think they're... They're not just playing for themselves. They're playing in competition with everybody else. And Fallon is big. Yeah. Fallon has proven Certainly. that he has staying power and that uh, he's probably going to stick around with The Tonight Show for a while. Yes. So they're playing to get somebody to compete against Jimmy Fallon. And the thing about... The, Jerry Seinfeld versus Jimmy Fallon, I mean... Jerry Seinfeld wouldn't have taken viewers away from Jimmy Fallon. 
Unless they were older skewing people that were watching Jimmy that Fallon. That were looking for someone older. Yeah. And those people are already watching David Letterman. Stephen Colbert... Do you think they'll watch Colbert? There is a real potential that people will hop from Jimmy Fallon to Stephen Colbert. That wouldn't have happened... I'm within... saying the Letterman people, though. Will the Letterman people stick with Colbert? Yeah. I think they're much more likely to stick with Colbert <laughs> than they are to stick with Jimmy Fallon, because... Stephen Colbert. Well, not sticking with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying the Letterman people. The Letterman people are, yeah, I think they are likely to just stick with Colbert because a the people that watch CBS like sticking with CBS anyway. Regardless. So I don't see them switching to another channel. I think those and besides which Stephen Colbert is still amongst all of the late night hosts is going to be the oldest one around anyway. Mm. Yeah, I think true. this. I think this is a good move on them for them for multiple purposes. But again, whether or not it's uh, a, I don't think it's a. It's I. I can't see it being a bad move for for Colbert personally. Maybe it's a bad move for something. I don't know. I mean, mm. he he's gonna be making a lot of money. People are gonna be seeing him all the time now. Oh well, yeah. I mean, it's the gig of a lifetime. Why would you turn it down? Because it's on CBS? I don't know, because it's not something that's suited towards your style. Well, I mean... What, what, is, what, is, his, what is his style? I mean, like, other than... I, this very, you know, satirical, loud... Mm-hmm. But that's... A, that's guy. Is that the... That's the character. Yeah. What is Steven- That's what made people fall in love with him. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll fall in love with the regular old Stephen Colbert not playing a character. Well, that's just the risk that they're taking. Yeah. I don't think it's a huge risk to say... It's untested. May- well, we'll have to see. Maybe <laughs> regular old Stephen Colbert is interesting and nice and funny. I just don't... I think a lot of the Colbert audience will be disappointed to see him playing it more straight. And, well, there's also... Because the... that's not the Colbert they know and love. Yeah. Well, I think you can still have a big personality and be wild and zany and boastful and not be a pastiche of a conservative person. Yeah. He can keep all of I the remember. elements that he has from the Colbert Report and just not insert the politics. I've heard he's a pretty big introvert, though. Well, that doesn't mean... Well, I mean, like... Which is surprising. I don't know, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've heard that, too. Well, I'm just saying, like, would that mean he's playing another character? In terms of being that loud, kind of energetic guy? Well, they weren't gonna... Well, I mean, they weren't gonna hire him if he was gonna be an introvert on the show. I know. But, like, what version of him do you think he's going to show? (laughs) He's going to show something that's in between his Colbert Report persona and his actual persona. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And I think if th- I think if that works, then I think Chisho will work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since, Colbert, since Colbert Report will be gone... Yes. What do you think is going to fill up that uh, 11.30 time slot on Comedy Central? Well, I assumed that they were going to... Just fill in another politically themed type of spinoff thing. I don't think it will be. I think they're going to go in a different direction. Okay. Well, 
I mean, I think one suggestion that I saw that would be kind of funny and sort of cool is the idea of someone like a Samantha B type hosting like a similar like Fox or any real like cable network parody style thing. But like, you know, like Megyn Kelly, like have it like a female perspective. Yeah. I mean, that could... I think that would be fun Yeah, that, that could work. Mm-hmm. Um, I know... female. I know John Oliver type. signed on to uh, do a show on HBO, but... I mean, there is also a real possibility that if his, if his HBO show doesn't work out, mm. he could come back to Comedy Central, herald his own show. He's already proven that he yeah. can do it. And they'd welcome him with open arms. Oh, yeah. That'd be uh, really easily... He'd probably done. be the ideal if mm-hmm. he wasn't with HBO now. Yeah, but I feel like... But I think that will... I don't think that'll last very long. I and was going to say that it would. Oh, do you think it will last long? Yeah. Why not? What's stopping it from being successful? Um... I don't know. Maybe that's some... some... Bill Maher has been doing real-time for like 12 years now. Yeah. That's... For HBO. Yeah, that's true. Every Friday. Yeah. And I mean, they are sticking uh, John Oliver on Sundays, which is HBO Day. Yeah. So. Exactly. I mean, but we'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah. They keep the good... Well, what would you want after The Daily Show? I pers- if in Perfect World, I would like to see uh, John Oliver after The Daily Show. Right, but besides that... Um... I don't know. I mean, like, there's a lot of potential for, like, just a regular old talk show. It doesn't have to be politically themed, but I think it is a talk show hour. Yeah. So they should stick with somebody there. Um, for a while, I was, because it's, it's pretty well known that Chesley Handler is leaving E, mm-hmm. because E's garbage. It's, pretty, barely, it's barely even a disgusted network. Disgusted with E, yeah. Yeah, and that she's shopping and lo- looking for something else. Yeah. And I was originally going to say, you know, maybe Chelsea Handler would be a good companion mm-hmm. to uh, um, uh, John Stewart. But I heard that Craig Ferguson's contract is up at the end of this year, and they might not renew him, and they might go with somebody else <laughs> yeah. for the Late Late Show. Mm-hmm. And who better to court? Than Chelsea Handler. True. For the Late Late Show. Mm-hmm. And if it's Late Late, you know, that's yeah. pretty late. It's good for her. So that she can She's be, on... still be pretty subversive. And it's on network television. Yeah. So which is much higher big grade. It's a huge step up from E. Yeah. It's like gigantic step up. Yeah. Good lord. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, a lot of movers and I shakers. Mean, she, I've, I've like read an interview with her and like what she's been trying to do for her future and she said she wasn't really even that interested in going to another network and she said she might try to do something somehow for like netflix some type of show well i don't know if that would work maybe maybe not not even like a talk show just a show on netflix well i mean that's easy honestly like netflix will do anything nowadays netflix is hot um, if you want to have a show on Netflix, all you have to do is ask and bring them a good idea. Mm-hmm. Because they want, because they're working hard to be known as the big innovator in the media, yeah, in the entertainment the industry. Mm-hmm. So, but, but I don't know. And it's funny. I think the funniest thing about all of this, let me bring up this up briefly, is the fact that this is all kind of just 
semantics anyway mm -hmm. because nobody really watches late night television everybody goes everybody puts on adult swim or comedy central or chopped or something mm -hmm. like after if 11 o'clock if they're all. even watching television if they're not already watching netflix <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and there people and all people do is share clips on twitter and youtube and instagram exactly. and like the stuff highlights. on youtube yeah nobody watches Sits down for the hour nobody every night okay no one does that People, not, okay, let's not say no one. Very few. Most people don't. Very few people watch late night talk shows. Right, day to day. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it, it, this is all, like, just, like, tradition stuff. Exactly. But it's still an interesting thing to talk about. Mm hmm So, we'll see what develops over the next uh, several months, and we'll see. Yes. Next year what uh the late night landscape looks like mm -hmm. seth myers has been successful right yeah he's been fine i think yeah, yeah he's been doing good so at least he'll have that i don't see him going anywhere no. i don't see the nbc late night uh thing changing anytime soon right i think the stuff that we once colbert is in and whoever they get for the late late show is in that's gonna be set for a while, I like how I you think. just assume that Craig Ferguson will be gone. Well, <laughs> he's been doing the Late Late Show for a while, yeah. and I, I haven't heard any rumblings of that contract getting renewed. Mm. So, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe he will stick around. Maybe he won't. No. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel, remember him? <laughs> Who cares? Anyway. <laughs> um. I saw a movie today. I didn't. Because, as we discussed last week, Kevin is not a fan of action. Sorry, guys. So, he probably would not be a fan of this movie that I it? saw today. What movie? It is called The Raid 2 Berendel. Berendel. Mm-hmm. What the hell does that mean? It is the sequel to... What is Berendel? It's a city in Indonesia. <laughs> Thank you. Presumably. It might not be. I don't know. Whoa. But it is a sequel to facts. The Raid, hmm. which came out in, I believe, 2012. Okay. Uh, it's an Indonesian action film. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw The Raid uh, after seeing a lot of really good reviews, a lot of good commentary, a lot of good saying. This is the action film that you have to see. If you want to see an action film, like the pinnacle of action films, you see The Raid. I watched The Raid. It blew my mind. It's amazing. It is one of the best, if not the best action movie I've ever seen, directed by Gareth Edwards, who does all the writing and directing and editing. Wow. Um, it's a... Uh, the first one was a pretty clear-cut story. Um, 90 minutes, just straightforward. There's a police guy. Has to go up into this tower, fill a bunch of bad guys, and beat the bad guy. That's the story of the raid. Why are they bad? Because they're criminals. Mm-hmm. They're criminals. They're doing criminal things, and you gotta punch them. Beat them up. But the beat-em-ups are so good. So good beat-em-ups. Really good beat-em-ups. Why are they good? They're shot great, so you can tell what's going on. It's not, there's none of that shaky Which cam, none of that shaky cam, none of that bouncing all over the place, none of those 10,000 cuts, mm, none of that. That's good. Yep. Um, the choreography is amazing. Choreography. 
choreography mm-hmm. is amazing. Hand-to-hand combat. N- no weird cuts. So <laughs> it looks like, oh, you're hitting somebody, but then you take a cut. It's like, nope. You feel the punches and the kicks and the throws and the slams. And the Raid 2 Barendel is you take all of that and you crank it up like 10 or 12 more notches. Oh my god. <clears throat> I think that the Raid 2 is going to be the best action movie I see this year. I can't imagine a better action movie this year. Mm-hmm. It's simply phenomenal. That being said... <laughs> yes. Let, let, me, let me give it some more praise before I jump into other stuff. Like that. Fine. The action set pieces here are great. Not only the hand-to-hand sequences, but like the sheer magnitude of what the director is trying to accomplish. There's a car chase sequence here that is out- outclasses anything else I've seen this year. Maybe including uh, Captain America. Including Captain America in, really? ter- in terms of a a brilliantly like maniacally shot car chase sequence. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they did a lot of the stuff in this movie. It's not, and this it's, it isn't CGI. A lot of this stuff's shot handheld. Wow. Handheld, fist-to-fist fights, mm. hammers, baseball bats, just crazy things going on in this blood. movie. So much blood, so many broken bones. This is not a light movie. This is not, like, an Expendables. This is not, like, a... Not even a Marvel movie. It's not a Marvel movie. They're... Typically, like, even though America's a violent culture, typically mm-hmm. when you're saying, oh, shoot somebody in the face, you you say, bang, and then you cut to another sequence. Well, yeah. You don't cut My here. Yeah. There aren't any cuts here. There aren't any cuts in the raid. There are no cuts in the raid, too. You see bones break and people's heads mm-hmm. get smashed in and blown up, and it is awesome. It's really cool. It's just incredible. Incre- it's incredibly violent. Yeah. Uh, it's probably too violent for a lot of people, mm. but I enjoyed it. That being said, The Raid 2 is two and a half hours long. Which is much longer than 90 minutes. Which is an hour longer than the previous film. The dramatics here don't really work, mm. I think. They're not... They're not, like, X-Men Origins Wolverine bad. They're not, like, 80s movie bad. They're, but they're not great. They stitch together the fight sequences and the action set pieces in this film a little bit. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of characters here. Maybe three of them matter. Maybe, well, like... Yeah. Maybe, like, five of them have names. <laughs> Everyone else is just the punching bag. It's not, and it's not even punching bags because they're all distinguishable. They're all distinguishable characters, but they're fighters. This is basically a street fighter movie, in that you have Hammer Girl and Baseball Boy. That's all they are: is a girl who fights with hammers and a guy that fights with the baseball bat. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's all that they need to be. But considering the fact that the movie is two and a half hours long, 
maybe you could develop them a little bit more. Maybe give them names. Yeah. Um. That being said, <laughs> I I do think this is gonna be one of my favorite movies of the year. The 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 plot is iffy. The character development is okay, but the action so surpasses anything else I see in a movie theater that it's not likely one that I'm gonna forget. I mean, this this the action. In this movie, makes the action in American films look like a joke. Yeah, it makes I'm it sure. look like garbage. Mm-hmm. This is how you do action. If you want to see the best action, you'll see. If you want to see the the coolest edits, the craziest, most over the top fights, you go and see this movie. You don't have to see the raid first, but you should see the raid anyway mm. because it's still really good. Um, it blew my mind, and I'm glad that I saw it, and I would gladly see it again. Wow, two and a half hours. Two, it, it doesn't feel like two and a half hours. It doesn't feel like two and a half hours, but it doesn't have to be two and a half hours. Yeah. There's a good 15, 20 minutes you can cut out of this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is dramatics, I think. Well, not a lot of it is dramatics, but some of it is dramatics, and some of it is just action sequences that don't need to be... Six ten minute song, yeah, yeah. But it's overstuffed. It's overstuffed, but it's overstuffed with good things. Okay. For some reason, you're saying this reminded me of how I felt when I was watching Drive, because mm-hmm. you see Drive and it's like it's not an action movie. It you know it's a yeah. drama mm-hmm. inherently, but the actual scenes of you know people beating each other up and everything is all very graphic and visceral and bloody Mm -hmm. and you like feel everything Mm -hmm. and that's and when i saw that it sort of made me realize how a lot of mainstream ish stuff is it just looks so like sanitized and fake and mainstream action is very muted yeah it's very clean Mm -hmm. cut yeah um this is very messy. Right. It's very messy, but sometimes... How action usually is. Yeah. 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 There are consequences here. Yeah. Of people getting the shit beaten out of them, getting their things chopped off. and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? Baseball Bat Boy and Hammer Girl are two of my favorite characters of the year. E- even though they Sound don't... Sound like have... they have winning personalities. Even though they have no names or discernible personalities. Hmm. It's just like, if I was playing a fighting game, like if I was playing a Tekken or a Street Fighter or something like that, I would want to play Hammer Girl or Baseball Bat Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, car- they're cartoons. They're cartoons. But, you know, sometimes I like to watch a good cartoon. Yes, you do. I do. <laughs> okay. Um, Fair enough. I probably won't see it, but you make a good case for it. Thank you. And I can appreciate, I guess, what you... Got out of it. The artistry right, of exactly. bones and blood. Sure. Yeah. There is an art to it. Mm-hmm. And now we Anything will... Anything else? No, that's that? it. That's it for that. Cool. Uh, let's talk about the... Still in theaters. Still so, in... Th- there you go. Uh, just expanded uh, this, this past weekend. Mm-hmm. So if you want to check something out this weekend... Uh, you can maybe do that. If you're not already seeing Rio 2. If you're not already seeing Rio 2, okay. If you're <laughs> already seeing Rio 2, 
Stay in the theater. Watch it. Mm. But Double don't feature. Don't say we didn't. Say. Don't say we didn't warn you. Yeah, Rio too. You know. I don't know. <laughs> so that's that. Yeah. Do we want to segue right into our main discussion of the week? Yes. Okay. So, considering the fact that I'm the only person in this two-man group that saw a movie this weekend, we're going to talk about something that we're both very passionate about. Interesting. One of us, quite very much so. Quite unhealthily so. Quite unhealthily so. Yes. Is that beyond um, the films and the dramas and the comedies that we watch, yes. there is one reality program reality that show. we both enjoy. Yes. Some people have called it the father of reality television. Mm-hmm. And that show Definitely. is Survivor, Survivor. Yes. Uh, on CBS. CBS, still going, on CBS. Going strong 14 for, years. for 14 years. Incredible. Lighten up. That any show can last that long. And still be good. Especially, yes. And, and still, still be, be good. And considered, like, in its prime-ish, you it's, know. It's, it's not in its prime, but, like, it's still maintaining it, a good quality. Yeah. It's a, it's a show that has not gone downhill in 14 years. Not, well, not, not there drastic. was a brief moment not, where it went downhill, but okay. now it's back. Okay, it's back, baby. We're <laughs> right. back. Back with a vengeance. Yeah. So. Yes. Survivor is basically my favorite show of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. Kevin watches a lot of television. Yes, I watch so much television. Probably and, too much television. And it is his favorite show, which yeah. is saying something. Because, like, as much as I like shows like Six Feet Under, The Sopranos, all these dramas, Survivor just always does it for me in terms of entertaining me i can even watch it repeat you know everything tell tell me about your history with survivor oh sure (laughs) well i actually distinctly remember the first time i watched survivor back in the year 2000 when it premiered i was one of those people (laughs) that you know it's rare but i have been watching it since day one actually day two because I didn't watch the first episode, but I did watch the second episode, and it was just about, and I was just, like, fascinated. I was probably, what, that was 2000, so I was 10 mm-hmm. at the time. I was just a little guy, just, like, watching these people from various walks of life interacting with each other, trying to survive on this deserted island, and something about it just, like, really compelled me. And, like, the challenges were really cool and all of that. And then I saw, like, at the end, they're like, oh, we have to vote someone out. Oh, it's, like, this suspenseful thing. So I really latched onto it pretty quickly. I didn't understand so much, like, the more strategical, all of that stuff. I just like the visual, you know, <laughs> everything you like when you're more a child. But as I grew up, I sort of just grew with the show. And the show continued to evolve, introducing new twists and everything to keep me interested. And there were spots where it really wasn't that interesting or even that good, quite honestly. But I still sort of stuck with it no matter what. And I feel like it's paid off because it's still going strong. It's in kind of a renaissance right now, I think. And, uh, I've only met one Survivor <laughs> in my, in my days. I met the, the winner of Survivor Africa, Ethan Zahn. He's a really cool guy. And, uh, it was really exciting. And I think I have a buff 
Well, I have a buff too. Yeah. Yeah, I have a buff from uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, What's your experience with the show? I watched, I've been watching Survivor on and off for the past uh, 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, my first season was uh, Australian Outback. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think I've watched maybe a half, maybe like three-fifths of the seasons that happen now because they do Survivor how many times a year? Twice a year. So So there's been 20, this is this 28th season airing mm-hmm. right now. I've seen maybe 12, mm-hmm. 10, 10, 12 seasons of Survivor. Um, so still a good understanding of the game and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always interesting. It's always mm-hmm. a lot of interesting. It's always a lot of fun yeah. to watch those first episodes, try to sniff out who's going to be big, who's going to go first, yeah. who's going to be a problem, who's going to be a hero. The dynamics are always interesting. The dynamics are really interesting. I like seeing all the cool challenges that they bring up, and I love going to Tribal Council, yeah. because Tribal Council is always a shit show. Oh, it's always it. a shit show, Yeah, but it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it. I think there's a lot of great dramas. There's a lot, of, a lot of great comedies on TV. But I think this show makes some great characters. It and, really does. And it and it's not like this isn't a reality show in the sense that uh, Duck Dynasty is a reality show, <laughs> right. or in the sense that other shows on like TLC mm. and Tribal Channel and. E, all the cable stuff and bravo in the same sense that those are really shows because stuff here isn't scripted stuff here isn't like poked and prodded and not prompted right P- the stories create themselves i mean mm-hmm. obviously there's editors there to help flesh out the stories yeah, more but i mean the, the fact that they get this story yeah you know yeah and i think that's really cool yeah definitely obviously it's like a, it's is technically like a game show since yeah. there are all these rules and it's this own little reality in and of itself obviously mm-hmm. it's not reality reality but mm-hmm. it's still it's just so funny to see how people's personalities really come out after a few days of not eating and not sleeping that well mm-hmm. and it's just you like stripped to your bare bones who you are it's you and the island. Mm-hmm. Or the outback. Or China. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, all of these people have these grand ideas of what they're going to do when they get into the game, because they get these ideas when they're sitting on their couch at home, and people are like, oh, why don't you do this, this, and this? Because they're just, like, you know, from their couch mm-hmm. saying that. But then once you get on that island, it's like, everything's different, because... You're not used to, obviously, starving to death and going on these rigorous obstacle course challenges and having to deal with people you don't even like. Mm-hmm. A lot of backstabbing. Oh, yeah, A lot of underhanded dealing. Mm-hmm. That's how the game has certainly evolved. Even since the first season, I would say. Mm-hmm. But it's so interesting. Well, definitely since the first season. Yeah. But it's so interesting to me that the fact that uh richard hatch who most people know you know fat naked guy he's probably the most famous survivor yeah he won the first season but only by one vote and if one person had switched their vote and voted for kelly the runner-up i don't know if survivor would have even been on the air 
today mm -hmm. because so much of Richard's game was the fact that he created this alliance. Which was, like, the term alliance was created with Survivor mm -hmm. in terms of in, reality it, competitions. Yeah, just in the cultural lexicon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Kelly was, she was a big physical threat. She was into the survival aspect of it. Not, like, she didn't even like all the strategizing and the backhandedness and everything. She just wanted to go to the island and have a good time and make friends. And if she had won due to those factors, you know... Survivor would have been a much more different. Yes. Yeah. It would have been much more focused on just who's the best person and... <laughs> Well, I mean, that. yeah, it's funny, because, I mean, the first few seasons of Survivor, it's people just playing the game, you know? They're, they're, people aren't sure what they're doing. It's all very new yeah, to everybody. Yeah, it's so new, yep. Nowadays, Survivor's a lot different, because you have people that have watched Survivor, that know Survivor, mm -hmm. so... Pretty much everyone is a student of the game now. Yeah, so there's certain ways that you do play the game, there's certain ways that you don't play the game. There's moves that you can make, there's yeah. moves that you shouldn't make. Yeah. And I think it's made the game a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. This, I, th I think, there's like a pre and a post, and this post-survivor mm -hmm. uh, version. Well, there's certain eras. Yeah. I think, yeah. But we're certainly in that era where we're seeing people win who have, who have intricately studied the game. Mm-hmm. And super fans. Yeah. A lot of super fans are winning now. Yep. And I just think it's cool, not only that they're winning, but that a show has stuck around long enough where there are avid fans of the show winning the show. Yeah, it's like become generational now. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, like people even group people into like old school, like old generation versus new generation. Mm -hmm. And there is a huge difference between the players who played in Australia, and the players who played nowadays. Mm -hmm. Which is what happens, like, because they tend to bring people back. Mm -hmm. Which is polarizing. A lot of people don't like having people back on the show mm -hmm. multiple times. but Three or four times. Yes, in some cases four. Rupert! And Boston Rob. And Boston Rob. Yeah, those are the only two. But still, it's just funny, like, with the... Season 20, Heroes vs. Villains, they had people from Season 2, they had, you know, Colby and Jerry, and they had those people mixed in with, like, Russell from Samoa, who just played a season before that, and, like, you can even just see the way Colby and Jerry played was just, like, very, like, like, they're just there to have an experience. They're not really, like, into the whole slitting people's throats <laughs> to get to the yeah. end. There are people there to play on the island and do the obstacles and survive. Yeah. Maybe try to figure out some reliance stuff. And there's people there that are working to make alliances mm -hmm. and deals day one. Mm-hmm. Just, like, bloodthirsty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because for a lot of people, that's how Survivor's played. Mm -hmm. It's not about the challenges. It's right. not about the obstacles. That's, like, irrelevant. Yeah. To a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares if we if we win the reward? I gotta keep my deal with this guy going, the deal with that guy going. Maybe yeah. I take the deal for, for that guy. And it's yeah. all about this, this deal or no deal. And Howie Mandel. God, that's an artifact. Um, but it's so funny too. Like speaking to that, the fact that people nowadays are like tribes are throwing challenges 
in order to eliminate someone from their tribe. Mm -hmm. That's like, that would have been unheard of Mm -hmm. back in the day. Why would you do that? Because it's nuts. It's like the whole point, like pre-merge is that your tribe is supposed to win every challenge, no matter what. Mm -hmm. The whole idea of like intentionally throwing it. That's like, Oh my God. Yeah. But that's what happens. Mm hmm. So, we are at season number... 28. And this season is Survivor Kagayan. Survivor Kagayan. Kagayan. hmm This is the first time they brought all new players since season 24, which was One World, mm-hmm. which was kind of a bust. So that doesn't and that's part count. of No, I'm saying that's oh. part of why they sort of shied away from new people for a while because mm-hmm. they're like these people aren't very interesting let's bring back all the bold assholes mm-hmm. you know because they do a lot of that yeah and you gotta be a big person big character lots yep. of loud and like big moves mm-hmm. and really just sort of either really nasty or really heroic mm-hmm. you know you got it's very black and white yeah is, is this is this a black and white show no it's not Okay. But, like, I mean... I mean, they certainly would give the impression, considering, A, who they bring back, and, B, the fact that they even did a season called Heroes vs. Well, yeah, Romans. but that doesn't represent the whole show. Okay. That's one concept that they had one time. Okay. And they've had, like, you know, fans versus favorites. Mm-hmm. And things like versus, versus, yeah. versus, all of these things. One time they did an all-female tribe and an all-male tribe. Remember that one time? They've done that three times. Three times. Remember when they did, they split it up by race? Yeah, that was a disaster. Let's, you know... There's been a lot of... The black people, the Asians, the Latinos, and the whites. Because people want to see race wars, apparently. (laughs) This show has had a lot of really good ideas. This show has also had a lot of really bad ideas. Yeah, a lot of busts. One of those being Redemption Island. Um, so that was introduced. Yeah, season 22, which was called... Survivor Redemption Island. Survivor colon <laughs> Redemption Island. Yes. And it's just this concept of when you get voted out, you're not going home. You go on this separate island where you and then the next person voted out has to compete in this duel. And then you keep dueling with people once you're eliminating people, and then at one point you are able to come back into the game if you win enough duels or whatever. And then immediately get voted out. And then pretty much immediately get voted out anyway, so it's useless. Um, But they've done that three times, only one of which has been successful, and that was Blood vs. Water, because that was family members. That was another interesting dynamic. Mm -hmm. But what I like about Survivor is that is just the way people interact because it's always different every single season. It's a different dynamic. It's all these different personalities and seeing how they clash and how they work together unexpectedly and people form these bonds. You know, that's how people grew to love Survivor in the first season. The fact that there's Rich, who's this, like, fat, naked, liberal guy, gay, all that. And he makes friends with Rudy, this 72-year-old Navy, Navy SEAL who's, like, this conservative guy. And they would have never even interacted before this, ever. And they became, like, best friends and alliance mates on the show. 
and it's just like you know stuff like that is really cool to see mm-hmm. that was a big tangent yes perhaps i don't know I no was talking about it it was a good tangent i like talking about survivor yeah i want to talk about Kagayan. Right. Okay. I said it right this time. Kagayan, yes. Uh, the conceit behind this season is that it was originally split up into three tribes representing brains and brawn and beauty. Right. Three aspects that Probst <laughs> said. Jeff Probst. We can talk about Jeff Probst after this. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. But he said that like those are three things that people use to win, win the game. Mm-hmm. So he decided to... Not nah, he decided, but the producers yeah. wanted to see which one would uh, rule. Yeah. And predictably, at the immunity challenges, the people full brains, no muscles, lost pretty much everything. Well, I mean, what have you thought of the season overall? Um, well, I really like it a lot. I think there's a lot of really cool casting choices that they made a lot of good characters a lot of big good characters Mm -hmm. big and small Mm -hmm. i think it's a good group overall i know i know some people in your community aren't a fan of it but i think there are definitely people that are going to come back i think there's a lot of people here that oh yeah that have the potential to come back and do it again definitely um i can speak to tony on the brain tri- on the bronze tribe. Well, why don't we say where we are now in the season? Okay, right now we're, we're at the final nine. Yep, post merge. Mm-hmm. Tribes have merged together. Yep. Uh, you you pointed this out, which was funny. Yeah. Which is that, ironically enough, we are down to three bronze, three brains, and three beauties. Yeah, it's just fu- a funny thing that sort of shook out from. <laughs> you know, started with six six six. Now it's down to three three three. Started at the bottom. Now we're. Here. Still kind of, yeah, <laughs> still kind of yeah. here. But, uh, so, like, let's go each person. There's Tony. He's obviously been, like, a big sort of narrator type of, like, he has a lot of confessionals and he's loud. He and, wants to be a big mover and shaker. Yes. He is wheeling he's and dealing. Cop, and he's just, like, talking with this New Jersey accent like this. But hey, yo, I'm willing to lie, I'm willing to cheat, I'm willing to steal, whatever it takes. Yeah, do whatever I gotta do, I gotta shake hands, you know what? You know, (laughs) know, so what? Who cares? So what? Who cares? (laughs) Yeah, so. Yeah, and he's a big, he wants to be a big player, and I think Mm -hmm. he is. He's made a lot of interesting Uh, moves. mm -hmm. He's a big force. Um, Brute force. I think he has, I think he has a strong potential to maybe win if he goes far Mm -hmm. enough. Yeah. So he's a, he's a force to be reckoned with. Definitely. Um... Of course, I think maybe the season's most infamous player, uh, Chaos Cass. 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 Oh my god. From the Brain Tribe. I never would have expected this pre-season, that Cass, this 40-year-old lawyer mom, would be, like, pretty much the biggest villain of the season, essentially. I don't think she's a villain, but I think she's a huge wild card. Yeah. She has... Her strategy is no strategy. Her strategy is doing whatever the hell she wants to do. Like, impulsive. She's very spur of the moment. Yeah. She has these grand ideas. And I think it's just funny how it seems like she's overanalyzing a lot. Oh, yeah. And that's part of the brains aspect. She's just going over scenarios over and over in her head. Mm -hmm. And then she does something that makes sense to her. And her needs and her wants for how she's playing the game, but like completely disregarding everyone else's 
mm-hmm. how they react to it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. She's playing to get to final three. She's not playing to win. Right. She's playing to get to the end of the game. But and she has burned so many bridges. She doesn't have a good concept of jury votes. Her social is game is need. garbage. Pretty much. Pretty much. At this point. Yep. Except to the new people that she hooked up with. Potentially. But who knows if she might even just... Who knows if, if she'll discard them or if she'll, or they'll discard... Probably will. <laughs> yeah. They'll discard her. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, there's the remains of the Brain Tribe. Which those Cass being, was one of. Yeah. Those being Spencer and... Tasha. Tasha. Mm-hmm. Who have... The three of them have basically been a big, tight alliance. The Brains Tribe at the beginning of the game was terrible Mm -hmm. one of the worst tribes i have ever seen terrible performances Mm -hmm. mostly spearheaded by the wonderful nuclear engineer jatia i don't know how she is possibly a nuclear engineer because she is the dumbest survivor i have ever seen (laughs) yeah she wrecked the brain tribe almost single-handedly yeah i would say so yeah so uh Spencer and Tasha and Cass are the remains of that tribe, mm-hmm. and Cass is more or less splintered off. And she's yeah, and they kind of thing. remain strong, like a strong threesome, through yeah. to the merge. Mm-hmm. And then the merge happens. Post merge, I don't know what happened. And Cass, I don't, uh, I don't know what happened to Cass. She wanted to make a big move, and it was too early. Yeah, to make a big move. The Bronze Tribe, uh, we have right besides Tony. There's Trish. Trish, who's and- a little conniving. She is. Mm-hmm. She's a little, uh, she likes, she, she's very, like, jokerish in her, oh. in her face, you know? Oof. Like, she's very, like, devious and Woof. all of that. But she's actually playing a really good game, even though she's sort of unlikable. Yeah, I think she's, for she's, some reason. she's flying under the radar. She, well, she's a bit too devilish, I think. She's, she doesn't do a lot to make herself likable. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is why she's unlikable. Well, she was shown, like, given the girl's like Pilates lessons. <laughs> There's also Wu. Oh, fine. Who is um I, I wanna keep talking okay, about Trish. Fine, let's oh talk my about God. Trish. Jeez. You're like Jeff Probst. Oof. Not even letting us talk we'll about We'll talk the about women. we'll talk about Jeff God. Probst after this. Well, Trish made several big moves thus far in the game that haven't been like detrimental to her social game, like Cass. But she was pretty much at the bottom of her tribe when she was on Brawn. Nobody really liked her that much, you know. And so she just decided to make her own alliance when there was a, a tribal swap. There were some beauties that came over to Braun, And she took some of them, got Tony, and just went straight to the top and voted out NBA player Cliff Robinson. And since then she's sort of been co-leading her Braun people with, with Tony. Tony. And she sort of engineered getting cast to switch over to their alliance, mm-hmm. which completely flipped the game. Yep. Huge, huge move. Yeah. Maybe one of the biggest moves. Yeah. Period. This Thus far, it is the biggest, I think. I'm saying in general Survivor. No. No. Okay, <laughs> fine. Whatever. I haven't seen enough. Right, but... Uh... She's playing a really good game. She, if she was likable, she would have been. A, she would be a front runner to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the thing. So then there's Wu. He is Asian. Fan favorite. Wu. He is Asian. He's he is 
Asian, yes. Uh, he uh, he teaches martial arts and mm-hmm. surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, Total surfer dude. Kind of a surfer dude, it's I guess. It's just in his voice. Yeah. Um, physical threat. Mm-hmm. He's, he finally got some chances to shine... Yeah, just just in the last episode, Mm -hmm. and he's surprisingly wacky. (laughs) So he's 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 basically an anime character. So we'll see what he has to do in the future. Not sure if he has winning potential. Nah, I don't think so. At this point, but probably not. Who knows? Uh, and the brain, the beauty tribe, beauty. Yes. Somehow the beauty tribe did good in the challenges early on. Yeah, they did because they had strong guys. Mm Hmm. Um. Most of the BD tribe, I think, is ineffectual. Yeah. Well. Um, a, I, I don't know. First of all, I don't know. Jeff Probst is... Uh, Jeff Probst. Jeff Probst is weird enough to think that beauty is something that you need to win Survivor. Mm. But a lot of the BD tri- tribe was kind of superficial. Airheads. They're all really dumb. Yeah. They're all Mostly. really... Not all of them, but... Most of them are pretty stupid. And they were all kind of picked off unceremoniously. And there were still some airhead beauty members left in the game. Um, yeah. Jeffra has done nothing in this yeah, game. she has done nothing. You're right. She has... I don't know why she's even around. Because she's not a threat. She is not a she threat. She hasn't made herself known as, like, this person that even needs to be out. But does she, does she even have any sort of personality at all? She's southern. Oof. <laughs> um, she has a accent. There's also LJ. LJ is probably no, I don't know. He's smarter. He's the than, most dynamic of the beauty tribe. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't shown that much personality, to be honest. Exactly. <laughs> He's just just sort of a regular alpha male type. Yep. I guess. And uh Jeremiah. Jeremiah is invisible who has in the edit maybe slightly less uh personality than jeffra yeah and that's saying something so right now i think it's definitely like it's clear that i think even putting edit aside it's clear that the beauties aren't exactly great personalities and none of them are going to be asked back so it's for a future season well what about morgan who was recently voted out, and whose only purpose in the entire game was to display her succulent breastuses every episode. Yeah. That was it. She yeah. had no other point in the game. Right. Right. Maybe they'll bring her back. Well, they have brought back just, like, attractive female... Quote, unquote. <laughs> that slot. Quote, unquote. And, you know, showing no personality. Yeah. But who knows? So, I think at this stage in the game, it's definitely... Spencer, Tasha. Is there anyone else in that alliance, or is it just the two of them now? It's Spencer, Tasha, and Jeremiah. Spencer, Tasha, and Jeremiah fighting against... Six. Well, Tony... Tony, Trish. Tony, Trish, Wu, uh, Wu, LJ, LJ, and Jeffra. And And then Cass just doing (laughs) whatever the hell she wants. (laughs) Yes. So, I don't know where it's gonna go. Yeah, that's what I like about seasons like this Mm -hmm. the fact that well i mean i don't know how the rest of it's gonna go but it seems like there's variables you know and people willing to switch Mm -hmm. alliances because a lot of seasons like a surprising amount of seasons are just 
one tribe has more people in the merge, and then there's one tribe that has less people, and the one with more people just picks off the lower people one by one. Mm-hmm. And it's just super boring, and it's just, like, prolonging the inevitable. Like, they might as well just throw in four tribal councils in one episode and just get it all over with. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just down to the dominant people, mm-hmm. which I just don't see that happening this season. No, I think it's going to be a real up-and-down so game. so many people who want to be players and, like, take charge. Yeah. There's a lot of top dogs here. Right. So... But it's cool, though, that there's not, like, one top dog, mm-hmm. which tends to happen. Like, it's clear when certain people, like, they have, like, two hidden immunity idols. They keep winning challenges. They have a huge alliance. Yeah. Like, they're obviously going to win. <laughs> yeah. But this year, it's, like... It's anybody's game it's at this point. Mm-hmm. So... Even Cass, I think. Yeah. Could still stand a chance. Maybe. A chance. Maybe. If she turns her game around. Yeah. I think we should cap this discussion off by talking about the most constant uh, presence in Survivor, Mr. Host, Jeff the Probst. Most. Jeff, Jeff Probst. Probst. Jeff Probst. Mm-hmm. When Jeff Probst oh, began Survivor... Mm-hmm. He was just a meek little guy. Like, he wasn't... He didn't really have a distinguishable personality from any other sort of generic mildly attractive man host he's a guy he's yeah. a guy hosting he's just like a show. an everyman mm-hmm. type of thing wearing cargo pants yep like cool hat yeah yep but and then as, as the years have gone by <laughs> he got a little arrogant and he enjoys it's almost like he's become part of the game now Jeff probst and survivor are uh one and the same yeah. And once he became a producer, that's when things sort of went, like... To his head. Yeah. Jeff Probst is a bit of a blowhard. Hmm. Arguably. I still think he's one of the best hosts of any reality show. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of how much he invests himself in every single season, I think is really cool and everything. Je- for Jeff Probst, Survivor is serious business. It is not a joke. It is a lifestyle that you choose <laughs> to participate in. And there are things that Jeff Probst will not tolerate. Number one, Jeff Probst does not humor quitters. No. Jeff God, Probst no. hates people that quit Survivor. Yeah. He just like. That is a sin against Survivor. Yeah. And that's yeah. part of what I enjoy with people who quit at Tribal Council is he literally takes their torch and throws it to the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think that's so great in terms of the drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he hates quitters. He hates wimps. Yes, he, hates... he does. He's Survivor pro- is not for wimps, according to Jeff Probst. Survivor is a man's game. It's not only a man's game, it's a manly man's game. Because mm-hmm. there is nobody Jeff Probst loves more than the big buff dudes yeah the guys it's very well known that jeff probst has his man crushes every season he just kind of goes for the guy who's kind of loudish you know he's mm-hmm. sort of like a narrator type and he's making big moves and he's probably attractive and he's strong mm-hmm. and all of that mm-hmm. 
He's just super into that. Mm-hmm. He likes to call him by their last name, mm-hmm. like he's on the friggin' football team with yeah. him or something. Yep, yep. He's in the locker room. Hey, Culpepper. Yeah. Nice move. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Like, okay, guy. But, but that brings us to the broader point that he's not as appreciative towards the women. No. And that's been a topic of discussion for years. How he very rarely shows. He's a bit of a misogynist. Yeah, sort of. He very rarely shows that sort of attention and sort of like goofballing with women. He often sort of, if he doesn't, if he's not berating them in challenges, saying like, oh, Katie has no chance of winning, completely out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, stuff like that. And, you know, not giving credit to women who actually win the whole game, win the season. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I don't know. It's a bit of a problem, but mm-hmm. it's our problem. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was, that means. I was trying to say, it's like, you know, he might be a jerk, but he's our jerk. I, I get, yeah, that's sort of how I feel. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's fun to complain about him, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't want him to ever leave yeah. the show. He's an important part of Survivor. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same without him. Yeah. It would be a completely different show. And it's nice to show. have that constant mm-hmm. from year one. Yep. All the way to now. Yep. And it's it's fun to track his evolution in terms of his personality and mm-hmm. everything like that. Yeah. Especially he, with his over, like, like sports commentating yep. over the challenges. He does not shut up. Oh, yeah. During those challenges. And the, that's one thing, like, even, like, where it frustrates me is when they're doing endurance challenges and... Like, they have to hang on to something, or, like, they have to balance. And he's just sort of, like, overcomplicating things, like, saying, like, oh, looks like uh, someone over there is, like, sweating, or they're trembling, or, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He's saying these things to them, and, like, sort of making them nervous. Yeah. That's when it sort of gets to, like, oh, this might not be a fair game. Right. But, I mean, overall, he can be a, he can be a bit of a jerk mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's anyone in the world that loves Survivor more <laughs> than Jeff Probst. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's something I can relate to on. And there's a reason he's won four Emmys. Yeah, also that. Just saying. Also that. Four Emmys for Best Reality Host. Mm-hmm. Those are right on his mantle. Yes. So... If you want to catch Survivor, a lot of the seasons are available on... In my bookshelf. In Kevin's bookshelf. (laughs) Go to Kevin's house at 555-something-something Street in anywhere town, USA. Wisteria Lane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I collect the DVDs. They're on Amazon. Yes. Um, And if you want to watch the current season of Survivor, it is available on Mm CBS.com. And... Wednesday nights. 8 o'clock, only on CBS. Only on CBS. That's it. That's it. Today we went to Outback Steakhouse. Sponsor. One of the sponsors of Survivor. Mm-hmm. We had to show our solidarity, mm-hmm. I think. I had a really great Victoria Filet, I think it was. Yeah, yes. Victoria Filet. With a cup of baked potato soup and some broccoli. I had a baked potato mm-hmm. and some broccoli. Yeah, so slightly different meals. Slightly different meals. 
Both, but it's both, still both good, very good. So that's not our sponsor for today. Not our sponsor for today, but if you're looking for a good meal, maybe go to Outback Steakhouse. Absolutely. Maybe go to a better restaurant. Whoa. Watch it. Whoa. Excuse me. I'm just saying that there might be better restaurants than Outback Steakhouse. But right now, I can't can't think of anything. Nothing better. Nothing better. When When you're here, your your family. family. When you're here, your family, Outback Steakhouse. Yep. All right. Um, do so we there wa- you go. Do we want to call it? Yep. All right. Go ahead. You can find me on the tweets at CBassGronback. You can read my reviews of the things that I see with my eyeballs uh, at Letterboxd. Hmm. What's your username? Chilean Seabass. Still. Still. The same one. Hmm. Hmm. Dot, dot, dot. Hmm. That's a reference to Survivor. Bye. Anyway, I'm also online. <laughs> yeah. I'm on Twitter at Kevin underscore Jacobson, S-E-N, and uh, I write for N-Stars. Mm-hmm. I'm still writing for N-Stars, mm-hmm. guys. I haven't lost my job. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm usually on the homepage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not to toot my own horn, but there's not many writers, so it's a likelihood that I would be on the homepage. Also, I guess I'm on Letterboxd. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Jacobson, I guess. Yes. So what? We'll be back here next week to talk about more things. Specifically, I think we are seeing the new Scarlett Johansson film, Under the Skin. Under the Skin. Under the Skin. It's really gross, and there's lots of stuff That's under the, the skin. Mm-hmm. So we'll be doing that sure, next week. So tune in to that and whatever else is happening in the week. Shrug. Who knows what'll happen? <laughs> That's entertainment. And that's it, folks. All right. Bye. Bye.